Blog Talk Radio. Well, welcome to another segment of Broadcasting Politics with Cisco Casa. And tonight we have a great guest. She is Bianca Grecia. Um, and she has really, she's a co founder, Gracia, excuse me, apologize, apologize Bianca, uh, who's mm-hmm. the president of Latinos for Trump. Now, five years ago, three years ago, or even two years ago, who would have thought mm-hmm. that there was a Latinos for Trump? But today, we do have a group called Latinos for Trump. And that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to Bianca coming on. She'll be on in a couple minutes. And we'll jump right into it right away. Uh, and she'll, she's going to be a fantastic guest. But let me touch on my monologue that I was working on just briefly. And it basically has to do a lot with what's going on with the uh, pedophiles. We have really come out and discover that a certain group of individuals in this society should not be living. They should be castrated. Okay? When a human being, an adult, does something to a child, a little girl, a little boy, I mean, that's sick, sickness. They shouldn't be allowed to be part of society. So I, I, I feel very strongly about this. Human trafficking, the global business of human trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking uh, uh, across the border, definitely has to be something that needs to be taken care of by the highest authorities around the world, because if we continue to allow very powerful people to really control this multi-billion dollar industry, that also includes basically uh, selling organs across the world, all right? It, it's disgusting. It makes me sick to my stomach. And I, I believe that the, the Jeffrey Epstein case is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to human sex trafficking. Not just in the United States, but across the world. Okay? So I I really believe that people have to really, especially parents that have young kids, you have to be careful and, and educate them that they be careful in regards to strangers. I mean, growing up, that's what I my mom would say, you know, don't talk to strangers. But I think today it's even greater. This situation is, has become a crisis. The pedophilia, uh, this, you know, sickness, it just keeps growing and growing every single day. So please take care of your kids and, and, and make sure that they are aware and educated on, on there's evil out there and you need to let them know that we're living in a different society today and we have to really keep on top of making sure our kids are protected and we'll go on to the next part that really upset me just recently uh, this whole thing with the citizenship uh, question on the census 2020 census. What is the problem? What are the Democrats nervous about? Very, very easy. They're nervous that basically this is going to impede them from basically cheating in our next election. And it's going, it's putting, it's really putting a roadblock in front of them. So I think I think the president needs to I know that he basically is backing down on this. It's not something I agree with him on this. And I I call it out like it is, you know. This is not something that I that I think he, he, he you know, if he if he's going to say I'm going to do this, do it. 
instead of doing it and then backing backing down because of the pressure. So, Mr. President, revert your decision and put the citizenship question on the ballot. All right. So, Bianca, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, Cisco. Thank you so much. What a great evening. What an honor to be here with you. Well, it's our pleasure to have you here, and it's definitely um, exciting times. But uh, if you can give you, give us, uh, our listening audience, uh, a brief description of how your Latinos for Trump started and who was particip- who was your co-founder and, and how did it get started and, and when did you uh, realize that this is big? Latinos for Trump, it's, 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 it's well known now. So, so Latinos for Trump is actually um, uh, just a little brief uh, synopsis. Latinos for Trump has been around for pretty much a long time, the concept of it, right? So the concept of Latinos that, that existed out there, they were supporting the president back in 2015, 2016. Um, I, I actually co-founded a um, uh, Latino Trump Coalition USA here out of Texas with two other Christian women. And what happened is that we saw um, we started to merge and, and, and really affiliate with all kinds of groups out there, which were Latinas for Trump and Cubans for Trump and Hispanic Americans for Trump. I mean, there was just a lot of groups out there. Um, you know, of course, you know, as, as the president won in, in 2016 and we went into 2017, um, you know, there, there, our group, you know, it, it only made sense to try to collaborate and become maybe one movement opposed to having all these like little groups out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we, um, I, I, I personally uh, joined efforts, um, you know, with, with the California uh, guys and, um, and we became a, a little bit more of a bigger movement uh, collaborating together. And, um, and it was really a movement that's, that's really all it was until 2018. Um, and so at the, at the time when the president won, a month later, I was employed by the Republican Party of Texas and became the Hispanic engagement director of the state of Texas. I was the first female Hispanic to ever be a director in the state of Texas, um, over the state of Texas. So it was a big deal. I traveled about 26,000 miles. I did a lot of outreach. I created a, a movement within the state of Texas called DIME. So I was going into heavily Democrat areas to talk with our conservatives because no one goes into their areas. They say, well, those are blue areas. We don't really go there. And I'm like, but there's people there that identify with us. And if you don't engage with them, they'll never come out and vote for you. we got to build those relationships. So um, I did a lot of a lot of outreach and a lot of engagement. I started working, um, you know, God actually had another plan for me. Um, and he directed me in the path of, you know, with the faith-based and, um, and the Lord took me to, to, to ride along and follow along and, and pretty much, uh, you know, uh, walk along with the pastors in the state of Texas. So we started opening the doors and I started to do a lot of faith-based engagement in our Hispanic communities, particularly I was Catholic at the time and particularly with the Hispanic evangelical. So, you know, Pentecostals, um, you know, uh, just, just, it just acts of God, just, just assemblies of God, um, just to different types. It's, it's like more of what I felt that it was, it's more like the convenience store church, right? They're on every corner, but nobody knows they're there because it's not this big mega church. And those are the pastors that the Lord started to have me, you know, uh, interact with. And so it went I went through like a vetting process of six months because pastors don't just let you in. They don't just, you know, say, Hey, come on in. No, I went through a vetting process and, um, and they understood that the Lord had an assignment for me. And so I heavily started working along with them doing more outreach. It was, it was really getting deeper into the root, right? It wasn't just on the outside. It wasn't just attending something, taking a picture. This is, Deep, deep down outreach and engagement. So um, started a lot of a lot of efforts 
pastors, you know, along the, along the way now, years later, have told me the seeds that I particularly planted through the Lord um, couldn't just be, you can't just remove them. They said, what you started here is, is not something you can stop. And so, um, so with that said, I was operating as a Republican Party of Texas, you know, uh, uh, engagement director. And then I was, I had this group that I was, you know, obviously part of Latinos for Trump. But again, we were just a movement. And in 2018, uh, you know, I said, if, if we're going to really get a seat at the table, if we're really going to be legitimate, um, then we must be legitimate. So I, um, you know, of course, filed uh, to open up a nonprofit organization. Um, I filed to for a PAC, a, a federal PAC and a state PAC. And at the time, we did an we did an uh, a fundraiser with Dennis D'Souza on his opening for his movie opening, and so we helped out candidates, um, you know, federal candidates, of course, because we had the the federal PAC um, that were running for office. And uh, and with that said, you know, we um, we did we did it wasn't you know we were kind of new, so it wasn't like we had these big donors, but. Um, you know, we were able to help with whatever we could help. And more so, um, you know, we didn't raise like a lot of money, but, or have at this time, but what we did, were able to do is put boots on the ground. So we were able to provide people to help with phone banking and with knocking on the doors, um, for candidates. Um, we've become known to be the, the, the group that does a lot of work. We're the workers. We're not the picture takers. We're not the ones out there in the suits. We're on the ground every day, every day battling the left, the progressive left, every day in one way or another. And so what we did is, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I established this organization um, and I started to uh, organize it, you know, legitimately organize it, wrote the bylaws, opened the bank accounts. I mean, I pretty much set up the whole thing. So I began to organize the, the group and leadership positions and just the organizational chart. And so I started because of my, uh, you know, experience and because of being with the Republican Party of Texas, obviously I had a lot of contacts. So I was able to reach out to a lot of our, you know, advisors and really build a very good advisory board, um, including Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who has just recently announced that he's going to run for party chairman here in state of Texas. And we're mm-hmm. very excited about that. Um, he's a great leader, a uh, great strategist. He is, uh, you know, he's, he's all about the grassroots. Um, and so anyhow, with that said, we, we, we did, we did all that. Um, and that's, that's just kind of how we've come about. Um, we our our website is Latinos for Trump.us. Um, and we have, again, just been doing a lot of grassroots work. Um, most recently, I will tell you, we did our first conference. Um, and I hear you talking about, you know, child molestation, human trafficking mm-hmm. in that bracket sure. earlier in your monologue. I'd like to tell you that I'm married to a sergeant of police here in Houston, and he that's what he does. He actually wrote a manual, uh, a book. He's been published uh, within the police department. Uh, he trains police departments across the state of Texas on how to combat human trafficking, how to get these uh, places shut down, uh, how to identify it, how to report it, and how to work with the city attorneys to shut these places down. Um, and so he, he's deep, deep into that. He was one of our, he was our opening speaker at our conference. So what I did is I lined up a series of, of speakers and brought in people from all over, including Trevor Loudon out of New Zealand, uh, who came and talked about communism in Texas. He uh, stirred up a lot of uh, controversy for us. Uh, we were uh, called white supremacists about 24 <laughs> hours before our event started. Okay. Yeah, the left began. Yeah, the left be- began with their tactics. They actually uh, printed a, a, a article in the paper and said that you know Latinos for Trump was correlating and was going to be having white supremacists um, at our event. And so what they did is they this is what the left does. Mm-hmm. Um, they got their people to call the place we were going to have our event at. Um, they made phone calls to this mall, to this insurance company, and they made phone calls to corporate headquarters out in Chicago. 
And what they did is they pounded the phone so bad that um, the donor was, everybody began to say, oh, my God, they're white supremacists, because every media outlet was picking this up because they're liberal. They're liberal. Mm-hmm. So they, they pounded us down, and I said, we're not, we're, we're not canceling this event. So the donor actually helped us um, move locations. And, um, and, and this time, you know, it was going to co- cost us because he was donating his facility for free, but it's going to cost us. And luckily enough, we had one of our own uh, who said, let me cover the event and, you know, we'll just recover the money back. Um, well, so it, it actually ended up working out in our favor, to be honest, because now we were in a disclosed area. People couldn't get to us. And we actually ended up having a conference in the hotel of our pref- that was our preferred stay at. So we were able to really host everything without having to leave the hotel. It ended up really working out very well. But my husband, I mean, even the congressman and even our house rep that was scheduled to, uh, you know, make appearances, even they were calling me and they were like, um, should we, should we be worried about this? Should we go? And I said, (laughs) are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you going to bow down to the left? This is what they do. They've tied, you don't want to have white supremacists underneath you. So you don't want to show up to the event. Have you lost, you're going to lose if you allow this to happen. And, um, and they, they, one of the house reps actually said, Hey, uh, three hours before my event was scheduled to start, he called me and, or his staff called me and said, is there any way you can reschedule? And I said, absolutely not. Because the left was already saying they were going to protest. The police department was going to send in a hundred riot police officers. I said, you guys, (laughs) you, y'all getting all riled up for nothing. I'm telling you it's not, they're not going to they're not going to get, it's not going to happen. They may come out and try to do something, but it's not what y'all think. It's just not. And so anyhow, um, everything came out. I had lined up a praise and worship team. Uh, one of the, ch- one of the uh, churches that I work with, um, the daughter is, does, you know, praise and worship and she, Oh my God, Cisco, she did amazing. The, the, everybody that was in attendance was blown away with her prayer mm-hmm. and her worship team to begin our conference. Even the congressman said she needs to run for office. I said, that's exactly what I told her when I met her, when I spoke, her parents allowed me to speak from the pulpit pulpit and train in her church. And I recognized it right along. And I said, you need to run for office. If we had more people like you with your passion, we wouldn't have the problems that we're having right now in society. And Mm -hmm. she said, wow. She said, God has been telling me that. And I said, yeah, you need to listen. You need to obey. And so, um, so anyhow, um, you know, this is this just all how we've been moving. But the but the conference was going back to the conference. We had my husband speak on human trafficking. He talked about mm-hmm. how to identify it and how to report it. Um, he gave a lot of good statistics, obviously things that nobody knew, and it was shocking to our community about the things that were really happening. Um, they were mm-hmm. like, wow. You know, um, we had um, our uh, second amendment at the time. He's now our vice president, but the second time he does firearm training. He did firearm training. That was really, really good, um, you know, to, to just educate people on the myths of, you know, what they say about guns. Um, so he right. did a fantastic job. We had a woman by the a name of Fair Prudence that came out and spe- spoke. I met her in D.C., and um, she escaped. Her and her mother and her brothers and sisters escaped from Sharia law. Um, they live in, in undisclosed areas. They move around a lot. Uh, her father actually has a bounty on her head. Yep. If she's ever found, she will be dead. Um, and so um, she came to speak, and you should have seen no one expected her testimony. It was most riveting seat. Well, they were at the edge I, of their seats. They were taking notes. I, ha- I have to tell you, uh, congratulate you on sticking to your guns. I mean, that's what you have to do. I mean, we have had... Yes. Um, we, you know, Republicans and other parties, libertarians and all that have basically in the past have basically cowered to the left and enough is enough. I mean, I look at it this way. We're going to save our country. We need to basically fight them toe to toe. You and, do. And if, you do. And if we don't. We're going to lose. We're going to become another Venezuela. You know, that's, that's, you, that, that's exactly. That's yeah. You are, you're but, right. You're exactly right, Cisco. It's exactly what's going to happen. Um, and yeah. that's, that's why the Sarah Prudence uh, testimonial was extremely powerful because our Hispanics, she said, you know, I was actually reading, she actually did a research. She said she was reading that a lot of Hispanics have been converting to Islam. And she said, guys, it's not what you think it is. 
and she really trained us. She pulled out quotes from the Quran and was really training us on, you know, what the Quran really says and what it means and interpreting it. And she is a reborn Christian. And so, right. so she had a very powerful testimony and people were just like, whoa, that woke us up. Because, you know, they've been sitting in the room listening to all this stuff and, you know, and listening to the congressman. Then they listened to the, the state house rep who did end up showing up. Mind you, he showed up. Our state rep showed up in, the, in that area. And uh, he says, this is what white supremacy looks like. And they said, you should, you should look like a fool right now. He says, this is a room full of Hispanics. And I said, yeah, well, pretty much. He well, felt bit, but let me tell you, he felt bad, Cisco, but let me tell you, he walked out of there, joined our group, and wrote an ice check. Yeah, Bianca, today it's very easy to be, be labeled white supremacy. Uh, you you're oh, basically yeah. have to be, you have to be oppo- opposed to their socialist, uh, t- uh, socialist, socialist uh, frame of thinking, um, because if you don't, then you're considered to be uh, a white supremacist. But but let me let me touch on on a couple of things that you mentioned here in regards to the Hispanic community, um, the get out the vote, and I've had some experience mm-hmm. with that because I ran for office and, and, and mm-hmm. back east, and um, it's knocking on doors. I did that for a while, and and you know I was able. I lost by twenty thousand point uh, votes, but I, I know how critical that is. What, especially in a state as as huge as Texas. How do you basically, because there's parts of Texas that are basically totally blue, the major cities. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the rural areas and, and certain suburbs that are basically more traditionally Republican. Do you mm-hmm. guys, because I, when I was running for office, I mean, I, 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 I went into a database and I looked at the, the, the areas and I said, you know what, this area, forget about it. It's not, I, I'm going to be wasting my time. You guys have a strategy, um, and you don't have to reveal it here. You know, basically, you can give me a general point of view of, in regards to how how do you target, you know, Hispanic communities? I mean, they're I mean, we're all over, but what's your strategy in that? I mean, because it's 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 kind of very challenging, especially in a huge state like Texas. Well. Um, you got a good question. We do have a good strategy in play, and you're right. Don't want to really talk about it and reveal no, it completely. No. We have a lot of things no. and measures in place of things and initiatives that we're working on. But part of it is obviously engaging with the church, making sure that they're mm-hmm. equipped with okay. the right information to be able to talk to their communities and people in their communities. I think you'd be surprised to see how many of these churches are reaching out right now. And um, yeah, I'm going to be speaking in the uh, Rio Grande Valley to a group of uh, Hispanic uh, women pastors. And this is what they've asked me to speak on, why it's not a sin to be in politics. So this is what mm. they've been told. They want me to go and tell them, you know. So I, I know I'm going to walk out with, uh, with them. They're, they're, gonna, they're going to want to do something. Um, the church cannot be asleep anymore. The church has to be very, very involved. They cannot, they can't afford to, to lose. Um, you know, we do have, we've been, you know, putting up candidates. We've been getting closer and closer. And, and the, the more that we put up candidates in, in strong, uh, cons, you know, Democrat areas and blue areas and go out there and really engage and educate, um, you know, and, and even if we don't win it the first time, we, the, the point is you don't give up. You keep going right. in there and you keep knocking, knocking it down. <clears throat> and you keep narrowing the margins is what you do. And so the, the thing to not do is to not engage, right, just because it's a blue area. That's, that's the thing you don't want to do. You right. have to go into the belly of the enemy and tackle right. it head to toe, head to head, toe to toe. You just have to. You can't say, oh, ooh, I, I'm not going to go in there. No, you have to be bold, fearless, and relentless, and you have to go in there Stand firm in what you believe in because most of our communities do not know what the word conservative means. They do not know that they are voting for people in the Democrat Party that are now have gone so far left to murder babies after they're even born. Mm-hmm. That is itself appalling. And these people where I've gone into the church and trained on these things, 
you should see their mouth. They said, we've been voting for what? Because they've been too busy just saying people come, come around in a cycle. They, you know, ah, mira Margarita. She's running for, oh, we're going to vote for Margarita again. Because <laughs> Margarita's known in the community. And Margarita's right. done everything. But Margarita's also now part of a party that is, is voting to murder babies. Let's call it right. what it is. It's a communist, it's a Marxism, it's socialism. They want to control your life, and they're going to tell you they're going to give you free stuff. And let me tell you something, nothing is free. And so right. that is what we're doing. So one of the things is, and for example, you asked me what we're doing. Well, this conference was one. Now, we held it in a very Republican area because this was kind of our test, right? We wanted to see how it was going to go. You kind of have to test it. You have to have engaged. And then what happens is you have to create a, a, a footprint right? You have to create a footprint where you get excitement, where people start saying, when's the next one? Where are you going? Mm -hmm. Then you start taking it into the communities because they'll come to you if they see what you're doing. And so one of the things is, and that was my morning of my conference. The afternoon was training on messaging, how to message, how to put appropriate things on social media. Uh, The RNC committee woman came in and gave us an absolutely great look at strategy, numbers, what we need to be doing on the ground. Um, we have veterans for Trump. He came and talked about how to communicate with the veterans. And let me tell you, if I would have known what he taught us in the last race, we, ha- we bumped into a lot of veterans when we were out there block walking. We walked, there was a, it was a city council seat. We walked about 2,000 uh, plus doors and made over 1,000 phone calls. That was just Latinos for Trump alone. And wow. so we, this was one of our candidates. This was one of our candidates. She lost Cisco by 29 mail-in ballots, and we know there was fraud committed. We know it. Yep. We know it. And so she won 68% in early voting and 52% day of voting. So the community wanted her. They wanted change of, of this long-term Democrat that hasn't done anything for them. The, the, seat, I mean, the, the district is, is heavily, heavily Hispanic. But I can't tell you how many veterans we walked, uh, 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 you know, encountered when we were block walking and their attitude is very sad Cisco. one of the things that at latinos for trump is we support our veterans first right. and foremost because 34 percent of our veterans are hispanic or, mm-hmm. or i'm sorry in the law in, in the armed services are hispanic so we really support veterans but their attitude was and I, what do i need to go vote for the same people same stuff they don't do anything for us and you know i had this problem nobody helped me blah 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 you know it's the same thing so listening to our person our, our director from veterans for trump tell us this is what these are the three issues you tell that veteran at the door why they need to come draw their vote he goes they'll get to the poll he goes i guarantee you they'll get to the poll and i said i wish we would have known that i wish we would have known that but that's what we need to do is educate Education is a, is, a, is a key. So, so no. he came and talked about that. We talked about delegate training already, Cisco. We're talking about how to become a delegate for 2020. That's how right. you empower your Hispanic communities to get involved. You educate them on policies that they care about. You educate them on how the process works and how to positively uh, impact your community. That is what you do. That is how you tackle, and it's gonna. It's not easy job. This is something we've been doing. You're right for two, three years now. We have been building relationships, building bridges into communities where no one goes. No one goes. Okay, and so that is part of. That's just one little piece. One little piece. But every single leader in our organization, um, it has to be a deputy voter registrar. They have to be. They have to be registering voters. No matter where they're at in their part of the state or anywhere else, we're in North Carolina. In North Carolina, our, our national uh, coordinator lives there. She is the uh, she was the first female Hispanic to ever win the fourth chairmanship of Catawba County in North Carolina mm. in a Confederate state, mind you, in a Confederate state. She leads 583 pastors, Hispanic evangelicals in the state of North Carolina. So we have been able to work with these pastors now in North Carolina. We are have, we're structured in Florida. We're structured in Texas. We have other, we have DC covering Virginia, Maryland around him. We have people in place. You know, we have a lot of people at just waiting. They, they're waiting for an interview. They want to be put in place. They want to come, they want to come work with us. They want to help us put the message out. 
but you know, we, we have always extremely vetted. Um, and so, you know, it, it came, it has come to a point where, you know, we are ecstatic, ecstatic that the president recognized that Latinos need to be at the forefront of the next election. And so when he rolled out his, his whole uh, initiative to, to, you know, have a Latinos for Trump, then that's, that's told us we needed to make sure that we were complying with, um, you know, with his, with his group, with his campaign. And right. so we, I won't mention names, but we had certain individuals that didn't want to comply. They, they wanted to fight the Trump campaign. They wanted to fight with a Trump attorney. And, um, and so because of that, uh, our, that's why we have an advisory board. They went into an emergency meeting and they said, we, have, we, we cannot have this liability in our organization. We are, we're an official organization. And the Trump uh, campaign recognizes that. We have had conversations with them now. Uh, we have been able to mend some things um, with them. And they know we are an official organization. We're not, we're not with the campaign. We are our own external organization. And all they wanted us to do was just make sure that we had disclaimers on our stuff. Okay. And so, yeah, but you know, with that, with that said, with that said, you know, we have to make sure that mm, we are doing the right thing. You know, we're not here, Cisco, we, we weren't going to be here to fight with our president. We were here to help our president. We want to make right. sure we help him get reelected. Um, exactly. And, and whatever that looks like, right? Whatever that looks like. And so well, one of the things is donors have always asked us, what are you going to do after Latinos are Trump? <clears throat> They've been asking me that for a year. What are you going to do after Latinos are Trump? Um, you know, well, uh, we're going to probably merge into something else. We've had meetings and we've talked about who we will become um, after Latinos are Trump. And so we, we weren't going to do that till 2020, right? Because we said, okay, let's get this president elected. But now with talks and, and things and, our, you know, and moving forward and the great things have happened, and now we've been able to say, okay, this is what we're going to become uh, when, when Latinos for Trump phases out. And, right. and it's going to be Americanos. We are Americanos, conservative united. That's what we are. And let me tell you why, why we're going to merge into that, Cisco, is because we're, we're going to bloom into that. Because I have Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, Cubanos reaching out saying we want, we don't want to, this is what they're telling me, we don't want to file paperwork. I don't want to have to pay taxes. I don't want to have to do, do any of that. I just want to come under your umbrella. And I said, okay, right. what's the best way for us to be united, Right. Latinos for Trump, Cowboys for Trump, whatever that the, the whatever it may be. What's the best way to unite us past 2020? It's Americanos. We're Americanos. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good, Bianco. But I, I, let me let me touch on 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 this because I've been involved in campaigns. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I I ran for office, and one of the things mm-hmm. that I and I want to clarify, I agree with you that you you cannot you should not leave any area uncover or uncorrected okay correct but but the way i I, and i and i went to the i went through the all all the rnc training i was in washington dc and all that stuff i and one of the things that they said okay if you got a certain amount of funds you got to be able to be able to distribute it in, in 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 certain areas if you have a lot of money yeah definitely you cover everything but then you got to pick. You mm-hmm. got to pick and choose. And my question mm-hmm. to you, okay, is um, as you continue to grow and there's more, more donors that are willing to put their money on the Latino Trump coalition or Latino, it's it, you know, it starts to expand. How are you going to be able to control and manage? Because that's 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 when things get out of out of hand. When when the organization grows so much, you lose that control. Do you guys have a plan in place already that this is this is these are going to be the the, the measures, the, the quality control that we're going to have to have? Because it seems mm-hmm. like you guys are growing. You say you send Nicaraguans, more people. Yes. So you, you know you, you're becoming 
a bigger force. And then, you know, we may have, again, you said you're, you're vetting them. Do you have the, the, the foundation? I mean, the, uh, the infrastructure there uh, to be able to handle that influx. Go ahead. Yes, we do. We do. We do. And that's why we have, we, we have state directors and, and then what we do is we break them down in, in every state. We, what we're doing is we have so many people out reaching to us and they're telling us, you know, where they're at, what states they're in, what, what part of, what city they live in. And so what we want to do is find the leaders that we can make regional directors and break them down into their states and then start building coalitions that way. Um, I ran a survey on our website and uh, four questions is, do you live in a Hispanic community? Do you want to help engage in your Hispanic community? Do you want to help reelect the president? And uh, how do we get a hold of you? And I will tell you that about 67% of the people that answered our survey uh, that were surveyed um, said they lived in a Hispanic community. 90% said they wanted to engage. And 97% said, oh, the other question was if they believed in the president's agenda. And, um, and 97% said they did. And about, um, we have had about uh, also about, I think it was, 90, 90 something percent as well. I can't remember the last number of the people who want to help obviously reelect the president. Those were the questions. So we know that we're heading in the right direction. We do have, that's, this is why um, what has happened has happened. And, um, and the organization has, has done what they needed to do because we do have structures in place. We have a code of ethics. We also have non-disclosure agreements that these individuals signed. They signed non-disclosure agreements. And um, so they, they, they're facing uh, legal action. When you uh, agree and sign to not disclose, uh, you know, the organization's financial business, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, our political plan, uh, any of our things uh, that, that we discuss, right, our, our, our game plan, what the initiatives we're working on, how we're going to tackle the things, the very things that you're saying, you know, where to go, where not to go, learn the regions, and, and you know, and so – so that is, that is something that's very important. We do have those structures in place, and people have to sign the code of, of conduct, and we have removed people from our organization for uh, violating the code of conduct. And that's okay, why good. we have a board of advisors set in place to, to handle those situations. Now, as we grow, Cisco, as we grow, um, you know, we do have an accountant uh, that manages all of our books, files all of our filings, um, does all of our, you know, um, uh, paperwork. So we do have professional people. That's, that's, that's the key. We, it's, we're not just a bunch of people that are just like, yeah, you know, I want to be this, I want to be that. And believe me, we try to get, we try to alleviate from choosing those people that, that just want a platform or want a picture or want to just have a title. We need workers. Okay. Titles don't earn you anything. Workers get you what you need. I need workers who, when I say, hey, I need you at, there's, there's bills going on right now in Texas Leg. I had people up there testifying on bills, okay? I have people who can put a rally together in 48 hours. I have people who can plan a march. They've done march for Trump. I have people who can, can go in their block walk. I have people who can phone bank. I have people who can do social media. I have people who are very vocal and can speak, right? That they're, they're good and articulate the message. I have right. people, and that's what we do is we, what we do is we find the leaders and we, not everybody's good at everything, right? And we tell everybody, don't try to compete with each other in this organization because you're strong at something. And what you're strong at is what we need to zone in on. Because when you're strong at your thing and this other person's strong at their thing, you come together and you make the whole team stronger, right? And that's how we're a full force out here. That's why candidates are contacting us. Desperately, we want your endorsement. We want your endorsement. We're like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's why, you know, um, because they know we've written checks to candidates. Candidates know we're legitimate. They know that, that the party, the party in Texas invited me in April to go speak 
or it might have been the end of March. But they invited me to go and speak because they see what we're doing on the ground, registering right. voters. We just fed the Border Patrol. We, we were going to do an appreciation, and we thought, yeah, 30, 40 people, right, we'll just call in the Border Patrol. We had Congressman Louis Gomer write a letter of appreciation for the Border Patrol. We had Congressman Chip Roy also write a letter. We were able to present them with a proclamation at the border. It grew. Within a week, I was told by the Border Patrol, they said, hey, we're looking at about 150 to 200 people. And I said, whoa, 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 what? We're, we, only, we only had to feed 40 people. We had a week to ask people to, to help us, whether it was donating or whether it was volunteering or whether it was themselves um, donating something like their cake, a cookies, a rice, beans, right. whatever. We had to buy 16 briskets, Cisco. We had a team that cooked them. We fed 245 Border Patrol agents, and guess what happened? The Laredo sector said, what about us? So now September 4th, we're going to go into Laredo, feed our Border Patrol agents in Laredo, and that, now they're telling us we're looking at about 400 Border Patrol agents that we're feeding in Laredo. We've doubled in numbers. And El Paso will be next because El Paso now is saying, um, what about us? So we, we are supporting the people who are at the border that are right. dealing with something that people can't comprehend, okay? And these Border Patrol agents, 70% of our Border Patrol is Hispanic. So right. what they're going through right now, we have, I've sat with them and had roundtables. I've brought in people. I have brought in people, put together roundtables with businessmen, pastors, and Border Patrol agents at the border. I have brought in people that could go and report back to the president on what was really going on, you know, and we got that movement going on last, last year that it drove the president to come, to come and meet, uh, to come and visit McAllen, which we, he never had done ever. Right. But because of the force that we hold as Latinos for Trump down here and that we're pushing and we're pushing and we're pushing and we're doing and we're having meetings and we're writing things and we're telling the White House, this is what you need to do. I'm on the conference calls with the White House. You know, when they set, uh, put out conference calls, they want us to, to put a message out. You know, we put a message out. We put it out. We're like, okay, that's fine. You want us to distribute this? Give us, give us what you want to distribute. We distribute it, right? We, okay. we put it out through our channels. We share it through our social media. We share it. it. It gives me talking points when I'm in the church, when I'm telling them, well, what has, what has the president done? They know now, Cisco. They know because these pastors and their congregations, people are calling me. They're talking to me. They're sending me messages. They're saying, Hermana Bianca, we know, we know what the president is doing for us. We know. We're not paying well, attention to Univision and Telemundo anymore. We well, know. That's, 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 that's powerful. That's, Bianca, that's, that's where I, I want mm-hmm. to go. I just had a, a text from one of our listeners. He, he says, please tell her that the president needs to be scheduled to appear on both Univision and Telemundo and not in political ads but rather in a personal interview if he's to gain any serious traction with more Hispanic voters. This is just a, a message that was sent to me just now. So uh, that's because he, you know, he, he, he made an appearance on, on Telemundo, but it was around 11 o'clock when m- most mm-hmm. Hispanics may be already asleep. So if that's mm-hmm. something that if you have direct contact now with, the White House, I think this is something that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. I will send them a message, um, you know, about mm-hmm. that feedback that we're getting. Um, are we, right. I've taken groups of pastors for faith-based uh, briefings um, and have attended their Hispanic Heritage Month both last year and the year before. Um, okay. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the first, the first Hispanic Heritage Month uh, that I attended, um, I just about fell out my my body, my body, I mean, literally, um, to hear a, a woman open up before the president spoke to us uh, to talk about Holy Spirit. You know, she sang the song, Holy Spirit, You're Welcome Here, mm-hmm. both in English and Spanish. And, I, I mean, the cameras were all in the back, and I said, this is what you should be playing that's going on. This, the Holy Spirit is running rampant in the White House, and no one is talking about it. No one is talking about it. This president is under prayer all the time, has a faith-based advisory board that prays with him and advises him. He doesn't do things without his prayer warriors, without advisement of what God would expect him to do. 
And that is powerful and no one is talking about it. And so, you know, it is something we're working on something right now, whether it, you know, whether it comes to parishion or not, but we have uh, applied for clemency uh, for an individual named Anthony Benavides. Um, Our our pastoral Mm -hmm. group, and I I run a a nonprofit as well, Leaders de la Comunidad. That's where the pastors, that's where I work with the pastors. Um, And and through Leaders de la Comunidad and the pastors have signed a petition. I I had about 150 pastors sign a petition for the First Step Act when the president was trying to, you know, uh, pass that. And so the pastors, I held them accountable and I said, listen, we're going to apply for clemency for this Hispanic. No Hispanic. It's, uh, I mean, I can't find one that has ever been given clemency. The blacks and white get clemency all the time, but no Hispanic has gotten clemency. And so right. it is time for Hispanics to, to do something and use our voices and our activism and our activists and apply it to doing good in the community. That's how we make a difference. That's how you make a difference. So we have petitioned the White House attorneys to, to look at this case for us, for Latinos for Trump in collaboration with leaders of Comunidad. And so okay. we have asked that, and we are going to pray that, that this individual is given clemency. Um, and, and so, Cisco, those things will, will be, resonate. If, if the president can issue clemency to this kid, well, he's not a kid anymore, but if he can give clemency to this Hispanic, and this Hispanic comes out and is a voice for the president, for the Hispanic community that he actually champions. Okay, you can pass laws all day long. You can write executive orders all day long. But when you really want to impact the Hispanic community, you help the Hispanic community. And this would be one way, one way to start, that you not only just launch the Latinos for Trump, you know, right, that you're not just going to be a champion for us and put us at the forefront. You need to actually apply these things now so that Hispanics, can, he can come out and be a voice for you and say, I have now, under this president, I have been given clemency. I've been given a second chance to come out here and live my life. You know, right. and, and he was thrown the book. I mean, he did something, but he, what that happened to him is they threw the book at him. Even his cooperation with the U.S. Attorney's Office, they threw the book at him. And so with our advisor, Lieutenant Colonel West, you know, he handed this to me and he said, get this done. He said, if there's anybody that can get it done, it will be you because you won't, you won't stop until it's done. And, and I said, you know, I can only try. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't make it happen, but I'm sure going to try. And so, uh, oh, and so this, yeah. this individual... Go ahead. Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely touch on that. I think this is important, and, and I agree with you um, that um, the president has to look at at his case. But uh, and, and we'll get back to it. I just want to I want to touch since we have uh, twelve minutes. Uh, I, I want to touch yeah. on, on the two other topics that uh, uh-huh. the, the sanctuary cities where a lot of these illegals live. Uh, what's your what's Latino Patron's take on the sanctuary cities? Well, actually, we do not uh, we do not approve of sanctuary cities. Uh, we have spoken okay. out against sanctuary cities. Um, I I particularly myself have have taken groups uh, to speak against sanctuary cities um, in in it, it, you know city council meetings. Um, we have always always been against a sanctuary city. Um, and my explanation to the Hispanic community when they, when they, you know, especially, you know, again, with the faith-based leaders, they said, oh, but, you know, but, but and I'm like, but nothing, but nothing. God is of law and order. And, um, you know, what you're allowing, you're allowing someone to dictate and tell our people that it's okay for them to live in the shadows, break the law, live in the shadows and stay under their rock and get used and abused for wages, for human for slavery, you have allow, you're allowing that to happen. Our, our people will never prosper if you continue to tell them that it's okay and they can live in a sanctuary city. It's wrong. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I tell them. So we're very against sanctuary cities. Uh, we're very against, uh, we, 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 we do speak out um, against, we, we believe that there, should, there definitely needs to be immigration reform. We do believe in that. We do not believe in awarding anybody what, 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 who's here, what, here illegally. What, 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 uh-huh. what consists? What, what would consist of immigration reform, in your, in, in your opinion? Well, first of all, what, um, what I agree with the president. What, well, no, 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 no. I'm saying what constitutes 
immigration reform. I just want to, and and then after I hear yours, I'll give you give you my perspective on that. Okay, so so I'm me, and and of course uh, I I think I can speak for our organization because most of them, uh, we, we, one of one one that was not really um, as strong as we were, um, no longer is with the group. Um, had a little bit more of a liberal approach to the immigration reform, but um, we do not we do not believe in giving citizenship and um, to anybody that's been here legally. We just don't. It's not something that we promote, and it's not something that we're you know gonna gonna tell the president we back. Okay. Um, now, whether the president and legislation does that at the at the time when we cross that path, you know, we will continue to support our president regardless, right? Because he is the president. But at this time, it's mm-hmm. not something we're advocating. Um, to us, you know, I think that immigration reform, obviously, it, it entails building that wall, entails securing our nation. It entails getting more judges out to hear these cases that, that we've already been infiltrated tremendously at the border. Um, there's not enough judges out there to, to listen. Um, the uh, uh, asylum laws have to change. They have to change. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be reform in that. Um, there needs to be more, more, uh, you know, this, this, the employers, this thing that they fight about, the E-Verify. There, we need to have a, a good system in place. We need to uh, look at the, no more lottery, okay? We need to get a rid of the lottery. We need to, to take a better approach as in to, uh, not that we're making it easier. I don't want to make it easier to come to the United States, but I want it to, to, to be a little bit more open. If you're going to come here to work, there needs to be some kind of worker permit. There needs to be some kind of kind of thing, something in place where these people can come here and go back, you know, to, to whatever country they're from, um, you know, to freely reapply. But without it being such, there, there's, it's just too much paperwork. It's just too much bureaucracy and too much red tape, you know, and this lottery system doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So there, there has to be th- those, those things right there alone, I think, could impact the way, it, you know, immigrants come here. Um, and so um, there is, you'd be surprised, a lot of our Latinos for Trump um, really are legal immigrants. You know, we have a lot of legal immigrants. Um, and, and believe it or not, we do have some that, that did come into the country illegally. They, they, they might have been made, not a DACA person, but they were someone who was brought in illegally. But let me tell you, they've, they've gone through the appropriate steps to become legal residents and now they're applying for legal for us citizenship. They've, they've done things right. Even though that they were little, they came here, but they, they managed to do things right. And they're not waiting for anybody to just hand them a little card and say, here you go, you know, good, good, good luck for you. Um, you know, and, and now you can, you know, play into the system. Um, and well, so I think that, that those things are important, Cisco. That's, that's uh, my point of view. Yeah, I, I agree with the majority of the things you said. I think I think something else that needs to be added, as most people may not be aware mm-hmm. of it, but HB1 mm-hmm. visas and HB2 visas that are given, like they just passed a law on the bill mm-hmm. allowing 300,000 mm-hmm. Indians to come into the country and then they used to stay. They're all, they overstay their visa. We got mm-hmm. to put a, you know, th- that, that has to be eliminated. You know, that's part of that. Yes. In my opinion, that's also part of that immigration reform. We cannot continue to do that. We we need to focus Correct. on basically halting immigration right now until we were able to clear and make and have a system in place where we can basically tackle the the, the problem. Because and let me tell you something, Cisco. And you're you're correct on that. Let me tell you, you cannot you cannot, and nobody can tell me in this country right now with the technology that we have. No one can tell me that there's not a way to, that when you're you're issuing these HB ones and HB twos, that when you're doing anything where, where whatever country they're coming from, right, to work, you cannot tell me that when you issue them a card, and and when it expires, say they're here for I don't know two years, whatever it is that they mm-hmm. grant them right to come, they come to work. You cannot tell me that that card doesn't – they can't impl- put something in place where it expires. So when you go try to find another job, when you try to pay your taxes, when you try to do something, right, when you try to apply for anything, that the card will be declined and everybody will know you're no, long, you're no longer here legally. You better go see the, you know, <laughs> the right, correct uh, federal, agent, uh, federal agency right. at, or take yourself back to your country because – 
no matter where you swipe your card, no matter what, you know, where you put that, where you present this uh, identification, it's no longer valid. There is, we have the technology to do something. And I'm just throwing that as an example. Who knows what Mm -hmm. kind of technology, further technology we can have that puts measures in place where these people who overstay their visas are, are somehow made go back. You have to go back. And you have to apply again, or your or your employer has to apply again to bring you back because they still need you. Okay, and and though there is things that can be done, and so I think that you know I think that there's, I mean obviously the Democrats don't want to fix this, but I think that we of have course. Republicans that also don't want to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and they're so, called they're you know, called and, they're, they're mm-hmm. called they're called rhinos. Let me cover the last part of the t- topic mm-hmm. for discussion. Since you've mm-hmm. been to the southern border, I've been to the southern border in Laredo. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I see, I've seen the, um, I've seen the, the, how long and tedious to cover that border. What, and I've spoken to some border patrol officers. I have some mm-hmm. in, my, in my family that are, are there. And mm-hmm. one of the things that they have brought up to me uh, that said is that they don't have enough manpower. And especially mm-hmm. during the Correct. Obama era, they didn't have... Uh, then now they have become, instead of covering, they have become babysitters. Is that That's, the that, same it, feeling? Is yes. that the same feedback to you getting from the times you've yes. met with them? Yes, yes. In the past three roundtables that we've had with them, um, we, we have been told that. Um, you know, they have told us that what happens is, that there's this, and this is how detailed we got. Um, so what happens is they said the cartel pretty much is running the border. No one comes across the border unless you're given permission by the cartel. They just don't. So they said what happens is the cartel wants to push, whether human trafficking, whether they want to push drugs, whether they want to push weapons, whatever it is that they're pushing through, what they do is they influx, right, in a certain area of people that are coming in illegally. So, so what happens is it takes our Border Patrol agents off of that sector to start processing people. They said the time it takes them to process someone is somewhere, one person, okay, one person, about three, three hours for one person. They said sometimes there's six people in one family. Three hours per person is what it takes us to process. So now we're babysitting in these facilities, and we're busy doing paperwork, processing, and we don't even have enough manpower because they already are low on manpower. So what happens is they take us off of the sector, and then they're able to push whatever they're pushing through, um, you know, pass through illegally coming into the border. Um, You know, so this is what they're dealing with. The other thing they're dealing with, Cisco, and I'm sure that they've told you this, is that they don't even have enough weapons. They don't have the appropriate weapons to defend themselves. They have one AK-47 per 10 agents. Per 10 agents. So they, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, my turn using it. Okay, my turn using it. <laughs> they don't even have the correct weapons to protect themselves at the border. And right. so... So they, it, it, is, it is really, really important for people to understand this. When, and I'm going to tell you something. When we were down there feeding them, um, you know, obviously they can't take off of work, right? They're working 40, 24, 48, 72-hour mm-hmm. shifts, okay? Oh, yeah. So they can't – it's not like they can just take off work. So we went to deliver the food to them. And we got to one facility. It was in Westaco. And the agents came out, and they said, we're, we're, we're not going to let you – you know, in to the doorways, but not because we don't want to. It's because we're right now in the back. We have quarantined malaria, flu, mm-hmm. uh, mumps. Um, and, and, and Cisco, I got to tell you, my heart broke because I saw their faces. It's mm-hmm. like a dead man walking. Oh, their yeah. morale is so low, Cisco. It is so low that they feel that no one, they said, no one has ever done this for us. I said, what? They said, no one has ever done this for us. 
all we face every day is that we're murderers, we're family yeah. baby separators. You know, they yeah. call us names, they write ugly things about us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all we hear all day long from the news, from the newspapers, from our people in the community. Yeah. They said no one had ever come out and supported us and just told us, thank yeah. you. Fantas- and that is the reality Bianca, we have 30, of what they're dealing Bianca, with. We, we have, Bianca, we have 30 seconds. Last last couple of words in regards to Latino for visit Trump us. and your website again. And your website yes. again. Yes, visit us at latinosfortrump.us. Um, yes. And uh, we are, you know, you can pretty much find our social media there. We are Latinos for Trump 2020 on Facebook. And we are Thank also you. under Americanos Thank. on Facebook. Thank you, Bianca. Welcome Thank you. Ba- uh, come back anytime. Have a great and Thank God you, bless Cisco. America. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye. Bye.